Our scripture lesson this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Hear these familiar words. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor upon the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I suppose that one problem with having heard the Christmas story so many times is that we all know what happens. There's really no suspense anymore. The angel comes to Mary and says, Behold, dear one, behold and do not be afraid, for you are going to bear a child, the Son of God. Mary says, How is this possible? How will this happen? And her questions are valid, but there's no suspense. We know she's going to say yes. She always does. And that's what happens right before our reading tonight. I think we are so used to Mary saying yes and everything that follows after it that sometimes we forget how brave it was. Maybe she didn't really have a choice. Maybe it was all going to happen anyway. But she did choose to accept it and maybe even embrace it. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to have her entire life change in an instant. To know that everyone would look at her differently from here on out because she would be different from here on out to say goodbye to the plans she'd made and the dreams she'd dreamt, and to trust that God was somehow still there in the midst of it. I think that you are brave like Mary. You see, by coming here tonight, you have said yes to you. Yes to acknowledging grief, Yes to being honest enough to admit that there is someone you miss this Christmas. Yes to taking another step forward, even if it's on a road you never wanted to travel. Yes to facing another day in this world, even when this world seems to be filled with every variety of everything wrong. None of those are easy things. And so I think you are brave like Mary. It is on the heels of Mary's courage that we hear Mary's song. 
We call it the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, she sings, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has shown strength with his arm. He has lifted up the lowly. To the best of my knowledge, Hallmark has never put this part of the story on a Christmas card. They are in noteworthy company that way, though. Back in the 1500s, Martin Luther and some of his friends, they translated the Bible from Latin, which was the language of church officials. They translated it into German, the language of their people. The word of God is for everyone, they believed, and so everyone should be able to read it for themselves. But when it came to the Magnificat, they left that bit in Latin untranslated. History books tell us it's because that German princes who supported Luther's struggle with the Roman church, well, they took a rather dim view of the mighty being brought down from their thrones. And as recently as the 1980s, Guatemala and El Salvador declared it illegal to say those words out loud in public, even in worship. To do so was punishable by law because government officials noticed that whenever it was read, masses of people started acting as if change might be possible. Here's why I think this matters to people like us tonight. The reason people have so long been affected by the Magnificat is because whether they are inspired by it or afraid of it, they understand that it is powerful. They understand on some sort of visceral level that these words are more than words. They are a promise that everything wrong will be made right. And that is no empty promise, but rather one that is filled up with God himself. It was a little over six years ago that my parents moved out of the house I grew up in. They had lived there for over 35 years, so to put it nicely, they had a lot of stuff. They were downsizing significantly, and I went to visit and to help with the sorting and the packing and the selling. You probably know where this is going. Every time they were faced with a hard decision about something, realizing it wasn't going to fit in their new home, they would look at me and say, why don't you take it? We would love for you to have it. That way it will still be in the family. Please take it, they said. And they said this to furniture and photos, kitchen paraphernalia I will never know how to use and the entire contents of my glitter-covered elementary school art portfolio. I took some of it. None of the glitter, but some of the rest of it. But I had to say no to most of it, because I had nowhere to put it. My house, thanks be to God, at that time did not have a basement. And you can't receive a gift unless you have a place to put it. That's why the Magnificat can be good news for everyone. 
even those who are afraid of it. It promises that if you are so full up with the things of this world that there is no room for God, God will help you clear that out so that there is space within you for God to do what God does best. And at the very same time, it promises that if you come with too much space, with so much emptiness that you are aching, well, God will get right to doing what God does best. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. I know that you are aching. You are here because somewhere in your life there is an ache. And I suspect for many the ache is grief. And I suspect that means that you would give just about anything to have your loved one healthy and happy and whole and right by your side. I know that's what you want more than anything. And if I thought for even a moment I could make that happen for you, I would give it everything I had. But Christmas isn't about getting what we want. And it's not even about giving others what they want. To experience Christmas in its truest sense is to trust that God can do this thing again. To trust that God can be born in me and in you into this broken mess of a gorgeous world with a love so strong it promises us that no matter what we have to face in life and in death, we do not have to face it alone. No wonder Mary sings, because there is some news so good it simply must be sung. That's why we sing our way through Christmas. One of my favorite carols is one you won't find in our hymnal, O Holy Night. It is full of good lines and good news. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope a weary world rejoices. I could sing those lines all year long. But this carol has become one of my favorites in part because it also says, fall on your knees. One of my friends, Michelle, when her mother was pregnant with her, her grandfather started a woodworking project. Her grandfather was a good man. He was acquainted with a few demons, as is often the case for those acquainted with war. But he was a good man, and the prospect of being a grandfather brought out the very best in him. And so every night he descended down into the basement to work. And the more that Michelle's mother's pregnancy progressed, the more hurried his work became. Her mother tried to reassure him, telling him there were still several weeks to go. She might come early, he said, and he worked all the harder. You never know what might happen, he said. And he was right, in a way. You see, Michelle showed up right on time. 
And as soon as she was brought home from the hospital, she was snuggled into a beautiful wooden cradle, fashioned and carved and stained with love. The doctors would tell you she showed up right on time. But her mother would tell you she showed up just a little too late. Because days after Michelle's grandfather finished that cradle, he had a heart attack and he died at the age of 56, two weeks before Michelle was born. Her mother would also tell you that for some time every day, usually multiple times a day, she would lay her baby in that cradle. And because it was so small and so close to the ground, she would crouch down with her knees on the floor and rock that baby to sleep. One hand on her brand new daughter, one hand on the last gift from her father. Remembering those days, she says, for so many reasons, that is the only thing I knew how to do. There is some grief so deep, it takes us right to our knees. But that's me telling you what you already know. You don't actually need me to tell you how to fall on your knees or what it feels like to fall on your knees. But maybe you do need me to tell you that it's okay to do it. When grief is so deep, it takes you clear to your knees. Letting yourself stay there is so tremendously faithful. It honors the loss and the love that makes it painful. When Adolf Day wrote those words, he meant fall on your knees in worship. Fall on your knees in gratitude and praise and thanksgiving. But I promise you this. If God is accustomed to finding us on our knees in worship, well then of course God knows exactly where to find us when we are there in our grief. There are plenty of people who don't care very much for Mary's song. The powerful are brought down, the rich are sent away empty, the lowly are raised up and the hungry are filled. I suppose you have to be able to hear her words in a certain way to know they are sung by the voice of angels. There are plenty of people who don't care for her song. It's just that right now, none of them are in this room because your grief has tuned your ears perfectly to hear the good news in her words. So dear ones, in the days and weeks ahead, fall on your knees if you need to. Because Mary's words are true. God will show up and God will lift you up every time. That is the promise of Christmas. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.